Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast, a general practice podcast brought to you by Menlo Park Recruitment. Illuminating Primary Care is here to quiz primary care leaders to offer professional knowledge, experience and insight on the biggest topics in general practice. It's the podcast to listen to if you work in primary care. Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Illuminating Primary Care, a podcast with Menlo Park Recruitment. Uh, my name is Kieran Fletcher. My guest today is um, on Illuminating Primary Care is a former GP, a writer and founder of Noggin the Brain People, Clara Doran. Thank you for joining me today, Clara. Thanks for having me, Kieran. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so if you could just give the listeners, Clara, just kind of a little bit of a background about yourself, um, and then we'll go into some topics that we've um, we've discussed off the podcast. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, well, as you said um, in the intro, um, my background is in general practice. Um, I studied medicine at Newcastle University, and um, then I've worked uh, so did all my junior doctor work around there and completed GP training around Newcastle and the Northeast. Um, and then I've worked as a GP in as a locum salary doctor, NHS and private um, over the last few years. Uh, I think it amasses to about 15 years in total um, before stepping back from general practice. Um, combination of different reasons a lot of it driven by my own health circumstances and just a change of direction yeah. um and now I am yes in a totally different arena um with my own business and uh creative writing as well so yeah total change but my foundations are very much um doctoring and being a GP so that never yeah. leaves you <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely um, could you please give the listeners a bit of an idea as to what the Noggin Brain is and, and what it does and, and kind of what you've what your mission has been with that so far? Yeah, so um, sort of as I mentioned, I had uh, unfortunate sort of health circumstances myself. So uh, when I um, when my son was just about to turn one, I, I was unfortunately diagnosed with having multiple sclerosis. And mm. that had followed a number of sort of difficult symptoms and uh, obviously a challenging time, but um, really sort of led me down a different path in terms of trying to understand a bit more about looking after my brain, um, what brain health really was and how I could care for myself and sort of those around me. Um, and that really took me around it on a different route, learning a bit more about sort of preventative medicine, functional medicine, nutrition, sleep science, all these different interesting things that I had never really had as much time for as I would have liked to when I was doing yeah. sort of standard GP training. Um, and from that has come uh, our business, which is Noggin the Brain People. And we have a mission to improve the cognitive health of the nation. And we're doing that through education, supplementation and motivation. Um, and as part of that, we've got um, three nutritional supplements um, which we've created to help some of the common symptoms <clears throat> that we all face um, around sort of low energy, difficulty uh, unwinding and sleeping, um, and also some of the symptoms to do with uh, that affect us through menopause. Um, so yes, our supplements are one part of the business, really trying to help people understand how much we can do to look after our brains is, is, mm. is incredibly important. And again, I think as a doctor, you feel like you should know those kind of things already. Um, but again, you learn it in a certain way when you're practicing and then obviously when you have that unfortunate patient experience yourself it does sort of take on a different life of its own 
and I think yeah. you know what I've learned is something we can we can all benefit from yeah absolutely absolutely fantastic well thank you for that um so just to kind of give the listeners a bit of an idea we've we've been liaising uh pre-recording of the podcast and we've discussed particular topics that we're going to talk through today um so if you're happy to then we'll just dive right in um and I'll ask you about the first one so particularly for for GPs within primary care at the moment Clara um if we were to talk about a way that how they can identify when they might be feeling the pressure what do you think would be um, important for people on that note in, in terms of what they need to be looking out for and that sort of thing? I think as uh, doctors, regardless of what stage you're at, I think we do a great job of caring for others and not always caring for ourselves. Um, yeah. I think part of that is really around um we're busy you know it's an incredibly busy job and there's lots of time uh, demands that are put upon us as doctors and particularly in general practice um, and I think we're also really trained to look for the big things and you know your your day is you know set up around you know I don't want to miss anything I want to make sure that I'm giving the best care to my patients and you know really you're looking for those big red flags and those sort of scary diagnoses as well as all the other stuff that goes on and I think mm. As a result of that, often for our own health, we are looking for big things as well. And so when the small things come along um, or we notice slight changes maybe in ourselves, we're very quick to sort of minimise it and say, well, you know, yes, I'm, God, I'm a bit grumpy or God, I don't feel quite, I'm a bit annoyed or feeling a bit more tired than usual. But, oh, you know, it's fine. It's not this. It's not that. And we kind of therefore just kind of put it to the side and keep going. Um, and I think what we've seen, I guess, post-COVID and all, you know, throughout that, that actually these small things really do matter and they build, can easily build into big things. But even if they don't build into big things, as small things, they're still important. Um, and when I say those sort of small things, I guess the things I'm, I'm thinking about and from what I've seen from my own practice and from, mm. from my research is, you know, it's, it's starting with how our relationships with others, um, you know, often that sort of sense of irritability, feeling like uh, you know people are asking too much of you feeling like just that overwhelm sense really that actually if you, you know if someone asks me to do one more thing that's it I just can't do it and again mm. that that you know that one more thing may easily be something extremely small but again that that one thing is the thing that just takes you over the edge so I think it's just recognizing that you know irritability sort of in yourself um, and okay. having a low threshold for recognizing that's maybe a sign of something else um, okay. and I think we and just going that. off, just sorry, sorry, Clara, just just going off that, are you thinking in terms of, you know, if, if you are asked to do one more thing, you might flip. Do you find that um, people might find this with in the working environment or could it be something that, you know, they don't really flip until they're at home? Could it be in, in any sort of environment that that happens? I think it's I think it's both. I think I mean, again, from sort of my perspective, I know that, you know, when I was in practice, certainly I would, you know, you know you're, you're maintaining it's such you know you're in such a privileged and professional position that mm. you know you certainly want to maintain that at all costs so I think even when you are feeling a bit stressed or a bit overwhelmed which is quite a lot um you we have a way of managing that out with our homes that you know makes it look to others as if you're just you're absolutely fine um and behind the door in the consulting room um and in the corridor and in the reception you're you know you're the same as you always were um but I so I think often it does translate into home life um and again that okay. may you know we're talking about irritability and changes in sort of um mood and 
uh, willingness to kind of or ability to kind of manage circumstances but I think it can also sort of translate into how how you behave at home and that can include your sort of routines yeah. as well so you know if you're somebody that normally you know comes home and uh, has does does another job or maybe has other activities that you need to do or you maybe prioritize exercise or things like that but like those sort of um, dropping those those activities or not feeling that you've yeah. got the energy to do it I think are all signs that you know something is building. Yeah it sounds almost then that in a lot of ways GPs almost have to have a bit of a facade and, and wear a mask when they're at work if if they are suffering themselves and struggling it's almost as though they're not really supported to let that show would would you agree with that or do you think that's accurate I mean I think I think that you know the support that's available obviously depends on you know where you're working the practice you're absolutely. in absolutely again um as a locum certainly and having you know I've done probably you know I've done certainly did a lot of locum work I think it's particularly difficult because you don't have that sort of comfort factor in your practice and people don't know you you don't know them and you know certainly you, you want to seem you're maybe trying to make a good impression in terms of thinking about future employment and things so yeah I think it can be really hard to um to to admit when you're struggling uh, I think it's easier to often put a brave face on it and keep going um mm. you know the clock is going all the time the patients are there you know you've, you've got to there is a there is a pressure there that um, you have to just keep going um and I think often that then can therefore translate or result in changes in your in your home life your activities as we discussed um and yeah. even some of your sort of personal habits you know sleeping those kind of things which I'm sure we'll talk about in a while um, yes yeah can all be impacted yeah um, okay okay yeah that, that's really insightful thank you um now in terms of uh, kind of one of the other areas that we'd mentioned pre-podcast um was that you wanted to talk about some simple steps that um people can take that actually work that they can kind of implement into their everyday lives um would you mind just going into a little bit more depth about that yeah, absolutely. Because again, it's it's one thing, you know, I think the biggest thing is recognising when things are tricky or think, recognising yeah. when you're struggling. Um, and then it's obviously if I am struggling and it doesn't feel like it's a big enough thing that I need to go and talk to somebody about, um, you know, how can we try and improve some of that ourselves? How can we manage it? Um, and again, our, you know, our, our brains are real creatures of habits they thrive on routine and if your routine is busy then it will you know your brain will kind of work to keep you in that routine um, and it's up to us really to kind of you know kind of change things and make an effort to make it different and um, and I think you know the bigger things we can do are obviously making sure we take our annual leave making sure that we um don't you know have a have a um, time off at the weekends and time off in the evenings but sometimes during the day that isn't all that helpful even though you're looking forward mm. to the weekend how do you get through this sort of day as it is um so some of the things I think can be quite helpful um I think are around the ideas of sort of taking micro breaks um or having chain and just basically change your routine that what you're what you're doing um in the current in that current moment um so again as doctors we're often asked to do lots of different things at once um mm. and we know from research now that actually that multitasking um is not good for us it's not good for our brains it makes us more tired um, and it also can re result in you know hard, finding it harder to make decisions so mm -hmm. therefore trying to really um, prioritize what we're doing and then you know, make your list and work through it but finding ways to take small breaks um, is really important and that can be just as small as even 
you know, looking at a couple of pictures on your phone, um, something that reminds you of kind of happy times or something that's totally different, family or holiday okay. or something like that. And um, those kind of things can just be enough to kind of change the sort of cycle of thought that our brain's in um, to, you know, break that cycle and kind of take us back into the work circumstance with a, with a fresher outlook. It sounds tiny um, and is tiny, yeah. but it does actually just make a little difference that, um, you know, that we can really, that does benefit us. Okay. Yeah. I, I honestly expected that it'd be something quite, quite a lot bigger than, you know, something as simple yeah. as looking at photos on your phone. But I mean, that's something that you can do very quickly. I mean, most people have their phones on them 24 seven, it seems like now. Um, so yeah. yeah, to be able to do something like that is, is really straightforward, isn't it? Absolutely. And again, I think, you know, that's the simplest thing. I'm thinking, you know, the doctor in the consulting room, the patient's waiting, feeling the pressure or knowing that you've maybe got maybe you're on time and you're kind of up to date with things, which would be a nice feeling to be in if you have that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, your your probably instinct is to try and get ahead, read the notes, look what's in front of you, try and catch up. But actually, it's better for you um, to take 10 seconds looking at a couple of pictures or, you know, making sure again, we'll get to that, but making sure you've got water, you've had water um mm. or even you know just getting up and walking around your room um again physical activity is really important and um you know that's is something that you know most of us try and factor into our day where we can but mm. again in the consulting room standing up doing a few squats stretching a little bit again all those little tiny tiny things um, yeah. change the way your brain the sort of cycle and thought pattern that your brain is in and also um, just you know, basically change it up. So when you sit back down for the next patient, you've got a slightly different, uh, you know, you're feeling a bit more refreshed. Um, yeah. And I think, again, we, it sounds so basic and so small, but the research is there that actually these kind of micro breaks um, do work. And again, by building on those and doing those more frequently, that helps us manage our stress levels. Yeah. So that the micro breaks can be things like you say, then as simple as doing a few squats. It might just be having a, a walk around your, your consulting room. It could be things yes. like looking at photos on your phone. Um, yeah. Is there anything that's, I mean, in terms of in your experience, do you think the micro breaks um, work just as well as anything that might be more of a, a major factor, um, you know, big, a bigger thing to do? Um, or do you find that there's, there's, it, it's too difficult to compare the two? I think ideally you want to be doing both. So again, the bigger things that are really important for how we, you know, how we deal with stress is, you know, our our daily habits and our our lifestyle. Which again, as doctors, we are more than comfortable to sit and talk about to other people and point out, you know. And again, I'm talking from my own experience. So, you know, we can sit there and say, ask about exercise and ask about alcohol mm. and you know, talk about weight and all those different things very very comfortably. And um, but it can be a lot harder to sort of look inwards and think actually am I am I doing all those things or maybe I'm maybe even doing too many of those things um mm. in terms of you know exercise and things you know it's obviously exercise is really important but sometimes over exercise is an issue as well um but I guess the big things that really which we haven't sort of I haven't said much about really but is actually probably the biggest thing is around sleep um so you know, from, you know, as a GP, you hear about people not sleeping and having difficulty sleeping so frequently. Um, it just becomes, again, quite a sort of normal part of consulting that you're used to hearing about mm. broken sleep patterns. And again, I think we can be quite almost lazy fear when it comes to ourselves in terms of recognising when we don't sleep 
um, and I think we sort of accept, oh, well, you know, I just don't sleep all that well and that's how it is. Mm. Um, and actually, you know, one of the most significant things we can do to help us build our resilience, manage stress better, do everything better um, is really prioritise sleep and good quality yeah. sleep as it is. Yeah. And do you think that part of the, the reason that GPs might have their sleep affected is if we work our way back again, is because of the, the stress factors and the, the expectations that are on their shoulders. And then that shows itself, shall we say, in a disrupted sleep pattern and in broken sleep. Is, is that kind of are the two very firmly connected, do you think? I think absolutely. I think and that is the challenge that it is a vicious cycle. So um, we can, you know, definitely the more stressed you are, the harder it is to sleep. The uh, less you sleep or the more broken your sleep, the more stressed you are. So it's a really it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I mean, I when I studied and um, I did psychiatry as a junior doctor, uh, I remember a consultant psychiatrist saying to me really, really early on in my career, it's really hard to have good mental health if you don't have good sleep. And I remember sort of writing mm. that down and thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, fine, fine. Yeah, OK. But that has really stuck with me. And it certainly stuck with me all through my practice. And I really think about that a lot now when I read so much, even in the press or in different things, about people talking about sleep. Like it's such an innate, inbuilt thing that we need to be able to do. And yet so yeah. many of us do not sleep well. Um, and it is just a vicious cycle. And again, yeah we can make we can take steps to try and improve our sleep and you know mm. absolutely even feeling that you're making those taking those steps is is a good you know is a good starting point because again feeling like we've got some sort of control over our health is really important as well and feeling empowered that we can do something about it really makes a difference um so yeah, yeah again looking at our daily habits when it comes to sleep um I studied sleep science and was really, again, quite taken aback by the whole idea that a good night's sleep really begins when you get up in the morning, which is something that, again, mm. I think even as a doctor of all those years, I hadn't really grasped that um, yeah. how, you know, it isn't, you know, that we can just go to bed, turn the light off and go to sleep or actually we do, we do benefit from preparing ourselves and having the end of the day in mind, even when we're at the beginning of the day. So I think that's something um, that is incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we we've actually had a um, uh, a conversation recently with um, I forget exactly what the, what the gentleman's profession was, but he, he was a sleep specialist basically. Mm. Um, and something that he'd mentioned was that it's all well and good being in bed for eight hours. Um, you yeah. know, it's, it's kind of I think is the, the the general consensus. You know, if you get your eight hours, you're going to be all right. That sort of thing. But there's a big difference between having eight hours in bed and having yeah. good quality sleep um and that's something that can affect everybody you know um gps and and everybody else in in the world if you you, you can have a shorter amount of sleep but if it's better quality sleep it's better for you than uh you know more time in bed but not not as good as sleep you know if you're waking up or struggling to actually drop off there's so many factors that can affect it and as you've mentioned as well clara that the the day that you have massively influences how well you sleep that night doesn't it absolutely and i think the um sorry that's my oh sorry Got that coming oh, that's all right <laughs> there we go i thought i turned everything off but there we go um, no problem so yeah interruptions we'll come to that but uh yeah no absolutely the day <laughs> you have is really important um it does really make a difference again obviously the stress isn't how you feel and how you unwind or how you sort of process that stress um but also again the simple things in terms of routine and again if you have 
you've had children or if you're uh, then you'll know about how their brain or you've had that experience then you know you know how much their uh, sleep pattern is so routine and when you break that routine um you know everyone suffers so, and I think mm. actually as, an, as adults there's a lot we can learn from that as well because mm. um you know we want to you know we really want to try and keep our brain keep our sleep pattern as regulated as possible that idea of going to bed and getting up at roughly the same time every day, even at the weekends, is really important. The idea of when we do get up, trying to get some exposure to daylight and sort of before midday is really important as well. Um, and then making sure we get some exercise in um, is key. Uh, and of course, caffeine, which is, again, all of our many of our crutches is, is the coffee or tea. And again, certainly mm. in a busy practice and a busy day you know if you're if you've got time to drink it um you might have several sort of half cups or whatever but again if you have time to drink it then it can it's an easy thing to reach for um without mm. really recognizing that actually how much coffee or tea that you're drinking um is you know is going to interfere potentially with your sleep pattern as you go to bed that night um mm. so again it's just being aware of all those all those things um and really trying to you know keep the caffeine down certainly from the afternoon onwards yeah, like you say, I think very often it's it's the easy thing to reach for. As soon as you start thinking, oh, I'm flagging a little bit, um, it's very easy to just go to the coffee machine. You know, it's everything's made easier now, isn't it? Um, yes, you know, with absolutely. instant coffee and that sort of thing. More often than not, you've got a McDonald's or a Starbucks or something just down the road as well. So it's it's very very easy to do. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, that yeah, that's um, that's really insightful. Thank you. Um, Something else that we've mentioned, we've, we've touched on the micro breaks, um, but we said that we wanted to discuss recognizing things that, that drive the, the feeling of being overwhelmed um, and how to reduce that. Um, could you talk to us a little bit more about that? I think, again, just starting with sort of the basics of really just checking in with yourself about, you know, mm. how are you feeling? So when you're, you know, you're, you're, when your working day starts, um, again there's often so much to do that we just it's important for us that we just keep going but actually having a few seconds to just check in with yourself how do I feel do I feel like rested and ready for the day ahead do I feel like I'm you know got a clue of what my days or my morning's going to look like that's all really mm. really important and I think if your answer isn't around those things and it's actually I, I don't know how I feel or actually I, God, I feel really tired or mm. you know, even just sort of recognizing that in yourself is um a good place to start um, and I think it's knowing that you know what you what you bring into work uh, from what maybe what you've left at home or maybe it's been from the day before or all those different things impact how you feel so there's and there's a lot of evidence around um, you know when it comes to stress and feeling overwhelmed that actually just recognizing it in the first instance is, is a really important place to start um, and rec once you kind of have that you know once you've done that you can sort of begin to move on from it a little bit and again you can uh, sort of realize that yeah I do feel like that but it's okay I'm going to you know carry on and do the other parts of, of my morning that I need to do um mm. and I think you know again we're quick very you know we're really quick to you know how are you oh I'm fine you know how many times a day does somebody ask you and you just come back with that standard answer and that's fine yeah. you know you don't have to tell everyone exactly how you feel um but again for yourself it's important to have a bit of an idea to, to check in and really think about how you feel um and if you know that you're coming from a place of oh god I'm tired I'm not quite where I want to be that you can um 
you know, manage that as, as the day goes on and be kinder to yourself. You know, maybe don't take on that extra task that somebody asks you to do. And, um, you know, maybe mm. try and get that extra 10 minutes, you know, coffee break or, you know, time outside and try and build yeah. in those extra um, little breaks that you can. Um, even if you're, you know, you're facing a really sort of stretch, busy day ahead, it's trying to just yeah. find some way of changing your, changing your mindset. Um, and that is really extremely powerful. And I think also, you know, again, obviously, it's, you know, we're thinking about work, but, you know, we, we bring in things from home into work. Um, and, yeah. you know, that is something that I think, again, we don't, you know, we think that we don't because we think we can separate it. But actually, quite often, um, you might not be thinking about it or you might not be thinking about the argument or whatever it was, but actually it might still be there. So, again, that's where that sort of, sort of emotional kind of check in point um is really important um just to try and you know kind of place how put a stake in the ground about how you're feeling and help you move yeah. forward um and i think once we've done that i think breathing is the other thing we haven't sort of talked about when we're talking about simple mm. things that the power of those sort of few really um, short but deep breaths um mm. we know that can reduce our cortisol reduce our hot stress hormones and really begin to sort of give us a little reset um so once that day is getting started and you recognize you're not quite on like, your top form then that is a you know again a, a, a quick way and a private way no one has to see it or know it that you're doing it mm. you can begin to um, reset yourself and face the, the challenges and the busyness of the day you've got coming yeah you, you've mentioned there Clara um, a few different things that people can do if they're wanting to stay quite private about things um, mm. do you think it's important for GPs and, and other people alike to try and discuss these things and I'm not saying to the extent of you know if, if you're having a little bit of a hard time or you're feeling stressed or anything like that to, to go and seek you know counsel mm-hmm. but even just to talk to friends or family or it, you know if you're a newly qualified GP for example should you talk to a GP mentor or, or somebody who you know a leadership type figure is it important to to communicate this side of thing or do you think it's it's very much down to the individual if, if they'd prefer to be private? I think um, I think both of those things are correct, really. I think it, it is, okay. you know, you're, you've got, you know, you have to decide for yourself. However, um, there is great power in sharing. And I think particularly if it's issues around, um, you know, how things, how work situations are affecting you, or if it is, if you are locoming and you're in different practices, you know, every practice operates as a small business. It has its own, um, you know, politics. It has its own dynamic. Mm. It's, it's, it is hard going into that environment. Um, and again, I, I mean, I remember it myself, like, again, particularly when you're newly qualified, you're trying to get your arms around just doing the job. Um, and then you've got the sort of situation of you don't quite know what you're walking into in terms of uh, who's who and, you know, what, what sort of the right things to do are. So um, yeah. it is difficult. And I think, you know, that, you know, talking about that to a mentor is, a, is really good because, again, you'll find that most people have been in that position as well. There's probably not a single person that hasn't dealt with difficult times in the workplace, but certainly when it comes to medicine and, you know, the world of general practice, a lot of the past, a lot of the challenges that people face are very common. Um, and whilst it might be slightly different depending on your own situation, there are common threads that people can definitely help with if you feel like you can share. Um, and I think it's really important to, to feel like you can do that and try and identify somebody that is, is uh that could be the, the right person to talk to yeah even if that's at home you know if it's a family member or a, a partner or anything like that um yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be in the workplace as such does it absolutely and i think again 
I think it, again, it, it, what's interesting there is sometimes if you have another, maybe your your partner's medical as well, or maybe you've got a family member that's been in medicine. Um, I think that can have be good and challenging at the same time because again, mm. I think it's you know it's great when someone can uh, relate to sort of some of the circumstances, but it's also remembering that everyone's had their own experience and things at different times were different. So you know the stresses that some of the doctors are facing now won't be the same as even when I started in practice, which was quite a while ago. So again, we all put our own kind of lens on it from our own experience, but actually how you feel, what you're experiencing is um, is incredibly important and is, you know, is, is your own experience. So again, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't be talked out of anything by somebody that maybe mm. feels like, well, oh, you know, you need to keep going or you'll be fine yeah. or you can manage, you know, that sort of yeah. In, you know it's obviously coming from a place of support and care um however sometimes it can it can kind of add to that feeling of oh I shouldn't be feeling that way or maybe it's not that bad but, yeah you know actually you know it's so I guess yeah trying to find the support that is is right for you um and knowing that whatever someone else says it's still it's still your your experience yeah uh, just going off that actually I think it's it's a really good point that you make Clara in terms of certain people don't necessarily fully understand um, the pressures that are, are being faced by GPs. And I think that in itself is is an issue with patients who maybe don't understand what pressure there is in primary care currently and, and um, you know, what GPs and, and other nurses and allied health professionals and clinicians as a whole are having to go through, um, particularly within the NHS. And sometimes it seems to come from that lack of understanding um, which I appreciate, you know, it's not always made easy for people to have a full appreciation as to exactly what the state of affairs is in primary care. Um, but at the same time, it's it's hard to get the message out there for, to help people understand. And, and it's it's this vicious cycle, isn't it, that you've got the, the patients who don't fully understand. And because of their lack of understanding, they're almost putting more pressure on the GPs. And the GPs are trying to deal with this without, you know, letting on necessarily how much pressure there is. And it's it's it must be extremely difficult for people to cope with and especially as you've mentioned you know for a newly qualifying gp not only to cope with the work itself but then with the pressure that comes with that arguably lack of understanding from patients it's um it's not easy to to cope with right out the right out the great gate is it it's really hard really hard and again i think sort of acknowledging that is really important um and again i think you know it's, it's you're dealing with it there's different it's just different stakeholders you know you're you know you're it's important obviously your responsibility here to your patients is so important um however it's a really challenging situation that everyone is facing um and i think it's that sort of you know everyone's doing their best um and i think it's mm-hmm. recognizing that you know all these things we're talking about in terms of stress and you know feeling overwhelmed and you know struggling to manage and maybe being a bit more snappy or erratic that applies on both sides so that applies to the patients as well um, and again you know I certainly remember many many times you know the receptionist tales of you know the patient being really difficult in the waiting room and you know mm. complaining and giving the receptionist a really hard time and then you're thinking gosh what's this person going to come in and say because it's my fault really that first you know they've had to wait or whatever and then they come in and sit with you and it's you know they're so you know absolutely you know nice as ninepence and mm. you know, just delighted to be into the actual into their appointment and I think again there's so many different people involved in a patient being seen in practice but again these sort of stress levels and how they present themselves um 
are affecting everyone in that sort of chain from the patient, the patient's relative, the receptionist, the nurse, yourself um, as the doctor. Um, and I think that itself can feel quite overwhelming. Um, and again, as the doctor, I think sometimes you feel there's I certainly I know I used to feel the responsibility for that you know when the patient comes mm. in if they are stressed um about waiting or you know something not having gone the way it should have done you do often feel like it's up to you to sort it out or apologize or you know those kind of things um and again I think that is that's a, that's difficult because it isn't actually up to you and it isn't your fault and I think um you know it's just you know it's it's kind of being able to see that with um you know being obviously compassionate as you know we're all trained to be but yeah. um recognizing that the kind of practicalities of things are aren't actually your fault and trying to not carry that kind of weight with you and i think particularly as a new doctor or a new gp even um it's finding your own you, you know to find your place with that um and find how you can manage your you know the, the what sort of level of responsibility you feel is yours and can carry yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Um, I think um, particularly for a, a number of seasoned GPs that I've spoken with of late as well, burnout is very much a, a real factor. Um, mm. I think, again, it, it's something that patients potentially don't really understand and they can't necessarily appreciate because yeah. it's burnout in a different way to a lot of professions. Um, you know, some of the numbers and, and the, the pressure and expectations that are on GPs is um, almost, you know, you think, well, it's, it's unsafe. Um, and, you know, a number of GPs don't want to, to have to risk anything. Um, with, with what you've been discussing so far, Clara, um, and gone into, you know, about things like the micro breaks and, uh, you know, looking after yourself with things like sleep, particularly, do you think any of these sorts of things can overcome burnout or in your experience, if, if you've hit burnout, is it, you know, a bit too late for that and you need to have a proper, proper break? Um, I think, that's, yeah, that's a really good question. I think, um, I don't think they can probably overcome burnout. Um, however, okay. I guess from some of the things we're talking about, um, you know, it's if we can identify feelings of stress and how they're showing up for us earlier on, in in a, in a process that could eventually become burnout then mm. you know we're, we're we're trying to look at ways that we can kind of improve our resilience and uh tackle some of the um stresses that are going on around us to hopefully mean that we're caring for ourselves more and the symptoms that are affecting us um don't get to the point of you know a final you know a break or leaving or your profession or leaving your job is is really the only answer um but again that's not always realistic and um whilst yeah. these things are always going to help you know how you feel like getting a good night's sleep and prioritizing your sleep if you can is always going to improve how you feel the next day um a lot of these issues are much more deep rooted in um you know in our lives than um than some of these these things can really sort of tackle um but similarly the small things do make a difference to even you know when we are burnt out or if somebody is burnt out or if somebody has had to leave their job or you know they are seeking help or treatment for depression or any of those kind of things and um, you know that these ways of caring for our brain are even more essential to to run along in parallel with that to help those other things really work um, and again I think again we think big things, scary things, red flag things. I think as doctors, you know, we're always on the worst case scenario. Um, so we think only the big things are, you know, are going to you know, are going to make a difference. Um, where actually, 
big and small, are going to are going to make a difference to you know sort of an overall recovery and to building us back into something that we how we want to be. Yeah, in your experience, then has have you found that burnout can be reached by lots of small things like you've been mentioning you know if it's um having to take on an extra task or you know not having had enough sleep as opposed to it being um you know you you keep going keep going you know then eventually you've just hit it you've hit burnout is is it something that you feel manifests itself over a longer period and it takes lots of you know or it, it could be lots of little things or it could be a combination of little and large is that kind of what you found in terms of you know people you've dealt with who maybe maybe have been burnt out yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, again, first of all, I guess we're all different. So, you know, we're all, you know, some of us can, you know, these small things don't really show up at all. And it's, you know, you know burnout or these you know, things do present as kind of, you know, having to leave your job, having a breakdown, having to um, seek formal help. So again, that might be how it shows up for some people. Um, but I think the signs are often there um, in the process. And again, we sometimes just don't either can't see them don't want to see them aren't able to see them there's lots of reasons why um we can we can find it hard to identify that we're struggling and and that can sort of lead obviously unfortunately can lead to to a bigger issue that needs a, a bigger mm-hmm. a bigger solution um you know certainly when i even so some of the private work i did was in a corporate environment and so again quite often i was you know seeing people there um we did a combination of GP consultations, but also did uh, sort of annual medicals as well. So it was kind of interesting seeing and talking about stress in a sort of a different profession, um, about okay. seeing people on a, on a fairly regular basis. Um, and it, it's interesting, you know, I guess people are just, everyone's just so different, you know, what people see, you know, some people will, um, you know, talk about stress really easily and talk about the things that are affecting them and you know happily talk about a difficult work environment or a difficult boss or being overladen but other people um you know they're carrying the weight of the world and they won't talk about anything or they certainly wouldn't link it to work or they wouldn't link it to home life where actually you know from an outsider's point of view you can see that all those different things are kind of contributing to the, the state that somebody is unfortunately you know that's what they're suffering with and how they're presenting it sounds like it's something that really accumulates then isn't it over time um are there any particular things that you think um or any particular key signs of burnout that people should be looking out for i know you've mentioned earlier about being potentially irritable or or tired and that sort of thing Are, are these the sorts of things that people should be looking for with burnout or with with burnout specifically are they a little bit more severe i think we i mean i Yes, I mean, I think they, they obviously, if we're talking about burnout, is at the end of that sort of process, then yes, they can be um, sort of more profound. But I think, you know, the, 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 these things do show up at different points throughout. So, yes, I think changes yeah. to your mood, changes to your um, uh, sleep patterns, change to your interest and enjoyment out of things, um, change to how you feel about work as well. I mean, again, I think, you know, stress is part of every job and you know it's it's a necessary thing and actually a bit of stress is obviously good for us um and again there's times in our lives when you know you can comfortably say you feel stressed but you know two or three days later after the project's over or after the mm. clinic or whatever you can go oh you know that, that's over now um but i think when it doesn't feel like things are coming and going when i when i, I think when you're you're not 
when you're you know when you're not seeing a um a relief or feeling a relief in things or even really enjoying things anymore um again we do this job and we do uh med, you know we've done medicine and we see patients you know to care for people to to help them and to you know for lots of different reasons and ultimately because we want to and i think oh yeah again one of the key aspects of burnout is you know when you're when you're not enjoying it in any way over a period of time i think is another key thing mm. that um again often maybe people just sort of accept because oh well I've been doing it for 20 years and you know who enjoys their job and you know Mm. again we can be very very quick to kind of just say that it's it's acceptable and that's just how it goes for actually you know that isn't how it should feel you know there should be ebbs and flows difficult times but when you're when you're really seeing it and unable to see it in in the positive in any way anymore then again I think those are signs that you know you're it's it's time to sort of reevaluate and to seek help whatever that help may be for you yeah absolutely yeah I think that's going to prove very insightful for a lot of listeners um for sure um and the uh the 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 last point that we we originally mentioned to discuss was uh, a bit of a brain health 101 um I'll I'll just let you completely have the floor with this one then Clara and uh, and take that way take that way you want to yeah great I mean I think yeah you know a lot of the things we've talked about um are sort of obviously mental health and how things present um emotional health and how they present but again a lot at the core of a lot of that is really how we care for our brains and it's certainly something I never thought about really um as a doctor because you know you know we learn about heart health and we learn about you know lungs and skin health and all those different things Mm. but brains we tend to think more about in terms of diseases and symptoms and um and treatments which uh you know it it makes it you know we don't sort of see it as an everyday thing but actually caring for our brains um and you know having healthy habits that help us maintain a healthier brain can help with all these emotional and mental um health symptoms that we're discussing again it's not always the cure or the you know the the absolute fix for when you know there's um, diagnoses and things that need to be dealt with but brain health and caring for it is important um so yes i we have a, a mnemonic that we talk about, which is obviously brain, um, uh, try and keep it simple. Um, and the first sort of the B in brain is really about being kind for, being kind to yourself. Um, and I think that's something we've sort of talked about a bit as well, that, you know, recognising when things are difficult, talking about even to your to yourself that you feel like there's um, difficult things going on. Um, and, you know, again our brains are listening to how we talk to ourselves all the time and again when we talk negatively about ourselves our brains hear that and that can take us into a path of sort of um lower mood and more stress so again being kind to how we talk to ourselves and think about things is really important and even simple things like toilet breaks that is a way of being kind to yourself not only does it make you get up and go to your desk but actually it's really important and again I remember many many days and surgeries where like you just would recognize that you know you hadn't had anything to drink you hadn't been to the bathroom all those things and actually we're not helping ourselves by that kind of by by doing that so again being kind to yourself is really important Mm -hmm. our rest um and again we think about rest maybe around sleep but actively but we know that actually active rest is really important so choosing to have wind down time choosing to have activities that you find enjoyable that take your mind away from the stresses and strains of everyday work or practice and when you're at home in the evenings are important um, and also gives you a time to reflect um for me i've certainly found you know 
creative writing has been really good, but also the act of writing, writing things down or writing everything down has been a real way that I've managed stress over the over the over the recent times. Um, and again, that can be different ways. There's a whole um, sort of science behind uh, just like sort of, uh, writing everything down that's on your mind. So waking in the morning or when you come home from work, if you've got lots of thoughts, just writing down whatever you want in a way that is just really kind of thought dumping out all those difficult things. Um, and by doing that, you actually sort of eliminate some of that from your thinking patterns. And that's really helpful. So, yes, active rest, find ways for yourself that are important, that manage it um, and think about using sort of pen and paper to just offload your mind from all the different things. That's definitely mm, a bit of a journal helpful. type thing. Yeah. And again, again, I think sometimes we think sort of, oh, it needs to really be dear diary. Um, but actually, you know, just, you know, words, anything, um, all that really helps in terms of managing stress. Um, yeah. A in brain is absolutely for being active. Um, we know that being active is important for us physically and mentally. Um, but it's also really good for concentration and focus um, and actually more the more you exercise or the more regularly you are active, the bit more beneficial it is for um, even for simple things like concentration. Um, and again, I think certainly from my experience as well, you know, people are kind of in, often in two different camps when it comes to exercises. They're mm. keen at exercising. They have a great routine. They do loads. Sometimes they're you know really focused on marathons or big tasks which is brilliant um but i think sometimes there's people that still just don't really don't want to exercise because they maybe don't like it and again i think that's absolutely okay um if you don't like it but i think it's finding some way of being active that is going to be helpful um for you and again it sounds strange to think i think that doctors wouldn't you know know that that and again we do all know that you know in our minds but actually doing it i think can be different as well and again, when you're really under pressure, that can be one of the first things to go, particularly if it's not your chosen uh, way of managing your time. Mm. So, um, you know, trying to, again, being kind to yourself, you don't have to go for a run, you don't have to do something major, just a short walk, just um, getting up and being active is is really important. Yeah, I think that's really, really good as well. Um, Absolutely. I is for um, intake and what we think about and we haven't really talked. Again, that's a whole different subject around what we eat and our nutrition. But again, what we eat and what we drink. And again, water, again, start at the beginning. Water is absolutely key for that. Busy, you don't drink enough water. Um, it's also easier because it means you don't have to go to the bathroom, which is really totally the wrong thing, both health-wise and again, we all know that. But ultimately, um, and again, when you're on the wards and different things, again, that can also be easier. But um, yeah, see, we're drinking water now. Um, but you know, actually, for, for our brains, um, a dehydrated brain or not having enough water it's going to make us more um, irritable. It makes us hard. Makes it harder to make decisions, um, and also much more easily overloaded. So, um, yeah. And again, that whole thing of again, we do know this, but when you feel thirsty, it's already kind of too late. You should have been drinking more already. So, making sure that you're drinking enough water and thinking about what you're eating during the day, particularly in times of stress, it can be easy to go for the extra coffee or the biscuits that are there. And yeah, that's you know absolutely fine you make your choices but I think we want to try and underpin our daily habits with mm. meals that include enough protein healthy fats um, and slow release carbohydrates in the form of whole grains um, and also making sure that we're eating relatively regularly because again if we have sort of dip, big dips in our blood sugar we uh, again the mood levels change our uh, emotional reactivity changes um, and everything can feel a lot more 
a lot bigger when we're hungry. That whole hangry word that again we're all yes. kind of familiar now. <laughs> um, so that's important. And then N for N, uh, the end of brain is obviously at night time, and that really comes back to sleep. So yes, prioritizing sleep. And I think again, from sort of what I've discovered over particularly these recent years, um, that you know sleep hygiene and the habits that we've talked about and we maybe talk to patients about are really important to do ourselves but I think also there's a question around if that doesn't work what do you do and um, mm. again just I think you know not accepting um, that sleep isn't you don't sleep well I think is really important um, there's lots of things you can do CBTI is something that again I've learned about as being a really effective option for managing problems with sleep and again if you okay. have like proper clinical insomnia you know it's important that you seek help for it so again it's that again it's like we talked about with burnout almost you know it's you know it's the small things and it's the everyday things that you can do but then at what point do you actually go hang on no this is this isn't right this is a problem I do need to do something else um so mm -hmm. again it's being the only way we can know that is by uh, being aware of it in ourselves and recognizing that um our how we're sleeping and how it affects us so uh, just be aware I guess um if sleep is a problem for you don't just accept it they fantastic there's no there's Excellent. no yeah. yeah yeah no no but no I, I think those points are, are very well made they are very much applicable to everybody as well i, I think you know gps of course will, will benefit from this and they being the main cohort of our our listeners on this podcast but i do think that there's there's a benefit in there for everybody and i do think that the, the general public in in general um needs to be taking more care of themselves in this day and age you know it's such a fast-paced world that we live in and people Absolutely. cut corners and make sacrifices in certain areas and that can negate things like sleep or nutrition or activity um yeah. and yeah it's, it's it's important that we stick to those because it's what we need as as human beings really to to properly survive and to uh for want of a better expression live our best lives um you yeah. know in terms of yeah. the healthiest lives at least Absolutely. Um, but that, that's been um, a really insightful conversation, Clara. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Thanks for me. We'll obviously put this out there and, and uh, hopefully you know, have a, a number of listeners who will find this as insightful as I have. Um, for anybody who is listening, you can find um, Illuminating Primary Care on all the normal platforms for, uh, for where you can listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Um, where can people find more information about yourself, Clara? Uh, so our website is uh, nogginbrain.co.uk um, and then I'm okay. also on uh, LinkedIn as uh, Dr. Clara Doran and also Instagram and Twitter, I think it's Dr. Clara R. So yes, any questions or anything that people um, want to know more about, particularly I'm you know, more than happy. It's, ha it's difficult to cover, you know, I, I, so many big topics in a short period of time. Um, and yes. I feel like you're just on the surface. And again, that's something that, you know, we're working with, with Noggin to kind of get some more information around some of these particular topics so that people can, um, yeah, benefit and understand how they can uh, make these sort of lifestyle changes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, yeah, thank you again for your time, Clara. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You've been listening to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support.
If you're a practice looking to recruit permanent clinicians, such as GPs, nurses, or allied health staff, please get in touch at menloparkrecruitment.com or email james at menloparkrecruitment.com. For daily primary care news, please follow Menlo Park Recruitment on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.